Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We're going to be looking at the box office for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It was a bit of a Rorschach test at the box office this past weekend, and I'll explain what I mean later on as we talk about the opening of that film and some others in the marketplace. Before we do, though, a couple things that I wanted to address. First of all, I announced on last week's show that I'm doing stuff over on Cameo as I'm kind of uh, beefing things up uh, for the wedding later this year, and I've had such a great time over the last week recording messages, birthday messages just saying hi answering questions so if you want to check me out over at cameo it's been a fun new addition to my week and interacting with some other people i also wanted to thank a former co-worker of mine who you probably know as the incredibly successful youtuber matt pat he gave me and the channel a really nice shout out at the end of one of his recent videos he was talking about criticism in super mario brothers and mentioned my channel as a place that he enjoys going to for film reviews and criticism and coverage. Matt Pat and I worked together years ago back at the former Break Media slash Defy Media, both of which are now gone. He was our SEO guy, so I'd walk down and ask what he thought we should put on the thumbnail or what are some good trending topics that we can maybe do for the Screen Junkie show. And He was always so great to work with. And then to see him launch the way that he has uh, long after he left that job uh, to do his uh, YouTube stuff, it's just so great. So thanks, Matt Pat, for that shout out. It was so great for you to include me in your coverage and to include me with the company that you also included me with Chris Stuckman, Jeremy Johns, two guys who I look to when I'm looking to build this YouTube channel and I look at their success as well. So just a nice start to my week. So thank you. And guys, go check out Matt Pat, game theorist, film theorist, so much that you can dive into. It's some really great stuff kind of in this similar space. You can also check him out here on YouTube. Um, anyway, just, just a great way to start the week. Another great way to start the week is to look at the box office figures from this past weekend. So let's start with the box office top 10 and the number one movie at the box office as we knew it was going to be is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 118.4 million dollars it was an estimate that kept going up throughout the weekend and then it ended up even higher than the final estimates on Sunday but it is a number that we will have a very substantial discussion about very quickly though uh, just to kind of brush over the surface of it it is the second best three-day opening weekend of the year domestically behind only the Super Mario Brothers movie which made 146.3 million dollars in its first Friday through Sunday stretch, although again, it opened on a Wednesday. It's better than the $106.1 million opening of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which now drops to number three for the year. John Wick Chapter 4 and Creed 3 round out the top five opening weekends. And when we look at overall three-day weekend grosses, it stays about the same. We have the opening weekend of Super Mario Brothers, then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3's opening weekend, the opening of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. But then we have the second weekend of Super Mario Brothers at 92.3 million and then the opening weekend of John Wick chapter four. So a lot more to get into with Guardians of the Galaxy shortly, but let's look at the rest of the top 10. Finally looking like a mortal film after five weeks is the Super Mario Brothers movie taking its first 50% plus drop, largely because it lost some theaters and then a lot of the audience going to check out the new Marvel movie, 54.6% off of last week's gross for an $18.5 million total. And then an even bigger drop when we get to the rest of the top 10, Evil Dead Rise still holding pretty decently, especially for a horror film. Another drop right around 50%, 51.5% in week three for a $5.8 million total. Are you there, God? It's me. Margaret takes a steeper drop than you might expect, 51.8%, given the fact that the audience last week for the opening was largely older female audiences. Sometimes they're slower to come out to the movie theater, so I thought that maybe there would be a smaller week two drop for Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, than we saw. Perhaps it just expanded 
wounded more of its target audience in the opening weekend than many, including myself, had thought. Its fourth place total is $3.2 million. In second place, the only other wide release going head-to-head against Guardians of the Galaxy, Love Again, which comes in at $2.3 million in fifth place. In sixth place is John Wick Chapter 4 and its seventh week of release, a 51.7% drop and a $2.3 million total. Then we have some movies that probably took a drop because they lost some screens. Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves dropped 64.9%. I'm sure it gave up a lot of theaters and a lot of screens to Guardians of the Galaxy, still bringing in $1.4 million over the weekend. Air dropped 65% ahead of its streaming debut coming up this week, $1.3 million in eighth place. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant is in ninth place with $1.2 million, and Sisu remains in the top 10 with $1.1 million. Dropping out of the top 10 this weekend, the re-release of Return of the Jedi, which was a limited theatrical engagement, and then Pony and Selvin Part 2, which is not able to stay in the top 10 after an impressive debut last week. Looking at what I like to call the road to recovery, so comparing this year's box office to the average box office for the years 2021 and 2022, which is when theaters reopened, and then the average box office for 2015 to 2019, the five years that preceded the pandemic, you can see that black dotted line in the middle. That's this year's box office performance, and we were actually very close to the pre-pandemic average, certainly higher even than the average for the last couple of years. Looking at the historical comparisons as far as which films were performing well on the same weekend in the date ranges that we're looking at. This time last year saw the release of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which even though it posted a higher opening weekend than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, when it's averaged with the weekend that came before it in 2021, that still falls below where Guardians 3 opened this past weekend. And then the highest performing film historically for the 2015 to 2019 range was Avengers Age of Ultron. Hard to believe that movie came out eight years ago, but it helped to keep keep that blue average and really boost that average higher uh, basically to about where it is and we will have another MCU flashback later on in the show. Looking outside the domestic marketplace to the top five films internationally aka all markets outside of the US and Canada, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 topping the charts with a $169.9 million opening weekend followed by another $50.2 million for the Super Mario Brothers movie, then $15.4 million for the Chinese film Godspeed, $11 $1.4 million for the Chinese film Born to Fly, and Evil Dead Rise coming in fifth place with $9.1 million. When you take those international numbers, you combine them with our domestic weekend, we get our top five films worldwide, and they are the same five films, although in a slightly different order. All things told, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 posted an opening worldwide weekend of $289.3 million. We'll look at that in comparison with some others in just a second. The Super Mario Brothers movie with another $68.8 million worldwide, followed by Godspeed at number three. Evil Dead Rise jumping up to number four when you take domestic totals into comparison. So $14.9 million. And then Born to Fly bumped to number five with $11.4 million. And when we look at at the top three-day opening weekends worldwide so far this year. The Super Mario Brothers movie still number one with $319.1 million, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 not far behind Super Mario Brothers, $289.3 million, that's about a $30 million gap. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania actually was outperformed substantially by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, about $60 million more on that worldwide opening weekend for Guardians versus Ant-Man. Ant-Man put up a $227.4 million 
opening weekend. Then we have John Wick Chapter 4 at $137.8 million and Creed 3 at just over $100 million. When we look at it as all weekends, regardless of whether a film was opening or not, we still have the same top three, the Super Mario Brothers movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania on their opening weekends. Then we have the second worldwide box office weekend for the Super Mario Brothers movie at $186.4 million, and Avatar The Way of Water's fourth weekend worldwide at $178.4 million back in early January. So let's talk about this opening weekend for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and particularly its domestic opening of around $118 million. It was a worst-case scenario as far as an analyst goes, because it was one of those numbers that was certainly not low enough to make any kind of statement about the MCU you failing, but it also wasn't high enough to make any kind of statement about the relative strength of the MCU. It was pretty much right in the middle, and when you look at the opening weekends for the MCU by Box Office Gross, it literally is pretty much right in the middle of all of the MCU films. It comes in just under the opening for Thor Ragnarok and just ahead of the opening for Spider-Man Homecoming. You see it outdid openings like Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and it's behind things like Thor Love and Thunder and Black Panther. Wakanda Forever. When you adjust those numbers for inflation, though, Guardians of the Galaxy does fall back a little bit. It actually falls just short of the opening number for the original Guardians of the Galaxy film back in 2014. It comes in ahead of openings for films like Thor The Dark World and Spider-Man Far From Home and the first Doctor Strange film. So again, it's not one of those things where it's so low that you're saying, oh man, the MCU is really in trouble. But it's certainly not making a big statement by being like a top top 10 Marvel debut. And that's where the problem comes from an analysis standpoint, because we live in a time now where everybody wants to make an instant judgment. As soon as that opening weekend number is in, everybody wants to rush and tell the story. And because of the way that this number came in, it seems to me that it basically became a screen to project what you wanted to happen or the narrative that you'd already set for this film. So for people that wanted the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 to be a sign that the MCU is still strong, then it was enough for them to take away in their stories, etc., or social media, whatever, that it is still very strong and that it defied people that said that it wasn't going to do well after Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Conversely, it was a weak enough number that people who are invested in the failure of the MCU, and I've seen a lot of these videos, are able to make a video saying like, it's an absolute failure. Look at how low this number is. The MCU is absolutely in a gutter, despite the fact that they've been saying that for weeks and weeks and weeks. This opening number doesn't really do anything to prove those people wrong either. It's one of those cases, and let's go all the way back to Avatar The Way of Water when it opened domestically. Everybody was making proclamations when Avatar The Way of Water opened, saying it was too low, it was going to be a flop, it wasn't a big enough number, and as I said on this show, the opening weekend number for that movie wasn't anywhere near enough information to make a definitive judgment on the financial performance of that film. And that's how I feel about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3's number as well. I don't think that it shows this sort of MCU might that we saw, particularly in like 2015 through 2018, 19, pretty much going into Endgame. But at the same time, we really need to have more context with this opening because keep in mind, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania's opening weekend, we looked at that number, or I certainly did, and said like, okay, well, it opened within projections, and then the bottom absolutely fell out of the movie in the next few weekends, and now I think it's very safe to say 
that Quantumania is a box office disappointment. It could be the opposite case with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. People may be looking at this opening weekend number and saying like, oh, well, that's a bad number. But if the movie only drops 40 to 50% next weekend, well, that's a sign that there is some relative support and strength out there for the film. And it could have a good multiplier. It could have, as we say on this show, good legs. And one indication that the legs may be strong in this film is the cinema score. Keep in mind, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania tied Eternals for the lowest cinema score in MCU history. Guardians Volume 3 actually was in that sweet spot where most MCU films historically have fallen with an A cinema score. 18 MCU films, including Guardians Volume 3, have scored an A cinema score. The original Guardians got an A. Guardians Volume 2 got an A. Black Panther Wakanda Forever got an A cinema score. And if we want to kind of project out how that might look as far as the movie's legs, and the legs for a movie are basically, when you look at the final domestic total, how many times the domestic opening weekend is that final total? Looking at domestic legs for MCU movies scoring an A cinema score, the average multiplier for an A Marvel film is 2.82 times its domestic opening weekend. The median is 2.73 times. Now, the best legs for an MCU film getting an A cinema score were with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings because it put up 4.22 times its opening weekend. That's a case that I think we can pretty much throw out immediately because there were huge conditions around the opening of Shang-Chi. It opened low, number one. It was a very weird box office situation as theaters were just opening back up after the pandemic, and it played for several months because there wasn't a whole lot of inventory. So that 4X multiplier I don't think is on the table for Guardians of Volume 3, but I think we can also throw out the worst case scenario multiplier, I would hope that you could, which came with Captain America Civil War. Captain America Civil War only did about 2.28 times its opening weekend, but Captain America Civil War also had a massive opening weekend, much bigger than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That's not going to be on the table here, but running those numbers, if it did hit that Shang-Chi multiplier, best case scenario, it'd come in around $499.7 million domestically, which would be sixth all-time in the MCU. I just don't think that's going to happen. If it hit the worst case scenario, it'd come in about $269.9 million or 20th all time in the MCU. I think it's going to do better than that. I'd be surprised, I should say, if it did those worst case numbers. If we go the median route, as far as multipliers go, it'd be about a $323.2 million domestic total. The average multiplier would get you to about $333.9 million, so right around the same range there. Looking at the average Average multiplier for both Guardians films, it comes out to about 3.1x, which would get us to about $367 million. Or if you're going with Wakanda Forever, it had a higher opening, but shorter legs, only about 2.5 times its opening. That would put the final for Guardians 3 right around $296 million. Also, again, 20th all-time in the MCU. So looking at all of these numbers, let's kind of be Doctor Strange here and just select a reality here. Let's say it does $315 million, which is a little worse than the average gross that an A Cinema Score Marvel movie has done, but a little bit better than, let's say, Wakanda Forever did. So basically saying it's underperforming a bit what movies like this have, but overperforming the worst expectations. That would put it at about 19th all-time on the MCU list, about $2.6 million over Iron Man 2. And as far as the narrative for the film goes, again, I don't think it would really bolster either the whole MCU is back to being inevitable narrative that some people want, or the MCU is hot garbage narrative that other people want to sell. I think it would be seen as a pretty 
pretty standard performing MCU film domestically, and then we'd have to see what it did out there internationally and worldwide. One word of caution, though, we did the same kind of breakdown with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, where we had best case numbers and worst case numbers, and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania significantly underperformed even the worst case numbers. So there have been case studies recently where Marvel films have underperformed their historical trends, but keep in mind that audience reaction initially with CinemaScore was much, much worse for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which indicates that the word of mouth was also much, much worse. This next weekend for Guardians Volume 3 is going to be critical. It's going to be a critical determining factor in how this movie is and should be talked about as far as the box office goes. I know that the boring take is, well, okay, let's wait and see, but that's also, in my mind, the realistic take right now. We had an opening number. It doesn't prove a case either way. Let's wait and see what happens in Weekend 2, and then we can start making big proclamations. Let's look at the franchise tracker for the MCU. We've now added the 32nd film, which is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And these numbers don't really mean anything right now. We're pretty much just laying a baseline. Looking at the MCU by domestic gross, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is, because it's only been open uh, for three days, basically, of chart data at this point. In last place, 32nd place, the lowest grossing MCU film as of right now. Of course, it's going to start moving up that chart, or at least it better, as far as, you know, the hopes of this film uh, start moving up this chart very quickly. So that's where it is as of today. Of course, when you adjust for inflation, it's a little bit further down in the basement, and we'll see where it goes from here. Looking at the franchise tracker for the MCU by worldwide gross, it's actually already topped the worldwide gross of The Incredible Hulk at 289.3 million dollars, and it's got nowhere to go but up from here. So we'll see how it does worldwide in the days ahead. And really, for me, that worldwide number is a bit of a stronger indicator than the domestic number. Because again, remember, it's only about $30 million behind the Super Mario Brothers movie. Of course, the Super Mario Brothers movie cost about half as much to produce as Guardians Volume 3, and you have to take those into account. But the fact that it is an overperformance over Quantumania, of course, market for market, they aren't direct comparisons. But the movie did all right in China, and a Hollywood movie doing all right in China is actually pretty good for how a lot of Hollywood movies have been doing there recently. I think, again, much like the domestic picture, and maybe even more so, if this movie holds strong across the world in the next weekend, then we could look at some real traction and some real momentum uh, because you know quantum mania was one of those movies that really didn't catch on either domestically or internationally and the question with guardians 3 is can it reverse that trend as well so guardians of course was the big story but it wasn't the only box office story this weekend and i want to make sure that i don't neglect the fact that the super mario brothers movie even though it lost its number one perch both domestically and worldwide did take another number one perch and it was pretty much the only illumination record that it didn't already hold it is now officially the highest grossing film for illumination entertainment worldwide it has surpassed the gross of 2015's minions so now the super mario brothers movie is the highest grossing film in illumination 
nation history domestically, both adjusted and unadjusted for inflation, and also the highest grossing film for Illumination worldwide. It also made significant progress when we look at the highest grossing animated films all time. It was down at, I believe, number nine last week. It is now the fourth highest grossing animated film of all time, having bumped Minions down to number five. It's now about $80 million behind Incredibles 2, and then about another, let's say, $120 million behind Frozen, with a lot of ground to make up if it wants to take that crown for Frozen 2. So we'll see if the Super Mario Brothers movie advances up that chart anymore, but it was still making progress even from second place this past weekend. There's so much more to break down at the box office, but before we do, I want to take a little break here and thank the sponsors for this week's show. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. We are getting into the summer season. A lot of people are doing more stuff outdoors, and no matter what your day has in store, AG1 is a great way to start that day. I got into doing it because it was hard for me to get into the routine of taking daily supplements, but eating breakfast is something I do every day. So regardless of what I've got planned, whether I'm going to be outside or inside making videos, when I make my breakfast shake, I throw in a scoop of AG1, and it makes me feel like I'm covering my nutritional bases. It's really helped me with digestion and gut health, which have been focuses of mine, but it's also great to know that I'm giving my body so many of the things that it needs, and that's what it was designed to do. AG1 is here to help you live easier and better without having to change a lot. It's just one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day, making it easy to live your best life, and every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients and delivered to me every month, so it's easy to make it a daily habit. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com Dan. That's athleticgreens.com Dan. Check it out. This episode's brought to you by Stamps.com, the easy way to send whatever you need right from your computer. You see a lot of the work of doing a channel like this on screen, but that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Merch is such a huge part of the online space, and shipping costs can add up quickly. Stamps.com understands this, because for the last 25 years, they've been helping businesses and anyone who helps mail things regularly save time and money. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and printer. They even send you a free scale, so you'll have everything you need to get started. Plus, if you sell online, Stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major your marketplace and shopping cart. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses because you can get access to the USPS and UPS services you need right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Set your business up for success when you get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MERL for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MERL. Let's look now at the per theater averages for the weekend of May 5th through the 7th domestically. And no surprise here, Guardians of the Galaxy had the highest average per theater, $26,610 in each of its 4,450 theaters. So some very busy single screens, multiplexes, drive-ins, you name them. Everybody was showing Guardians of the Galaxy pretty much this weekend. The Melt Goes On Forever, The Art and Times of David Hammonds, which is a documentary highlighting the life and career of the incredibly influential black artist who was known for his art about and in the black community for several decades. 
has the second highest per theater average of the weekend in just one theater, bringing in $7,313. Chile 76, which is a movie that we talked about in our preview last week, comes in second place, $6,977 per theater in only two theaters. Playing in 125 theaters is the Indian film Jodi. It's a Punjabi-language romantic film. It brings in $5,872 in each of its 125 theaters. And then the Super Mario Brothers movie staying in the top five in 3,909 theaters. Despite that theater count dropping below 4,000, it still brings in $4,746 per theater. And when we look at the top per theater averages for the year, number one is still easily Bo is Afraid with that $80,000 per theater average on its opening weekend and limited release in just four theaters. Then the opening weekend of the Super Mario Brothers movie at $33,701 per theater, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and its $26,000 per theater average. Average, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which brought in about $2,000 less per theater when it opened back in February, and The Wandering Earth 2, opening in 142 theaters in January, with a per theater average of just over $21,000. A movie that was just outside the top five for per theater averages is one that you might not have expected, and it's one that I had to do a little bit of research on because this has happened a few times before. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania actually had about a $4,000 plus per theater average and a huge increase of business from last weekend. And so I did a little bit of digging, and the results bore out what I've actually heard uh, reported before when we see movies often taking these big jumps in business uh, by a degree of many thousands of percentage points. And that's because Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, especially in many drive-in theaters across the country, was paired with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So when you go to these drive-in theaters, you basically buy a ticket for a double showing. You get two movies. It's paired with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So that revenue is split, basically, between those two films. And so a ticket that perhaps was sold by a car that came in to see Guardians Volume 3 and maybe even left before Quantumania even played, that gets counted at least partially as a sold ticket for Quantumania. So that's why you saw a huge increase in business for Ant-Man in the last week or so. And Marvel and Disney have done this before, especially for movies that might need a little bit of a boost at the box office. They pair them with Guardians at specific drive-in theaters and you see that jump. So that's why if you're looking at the box office charts and you saw Quantumania making about $700,000, which is way more than it made last weekend, you can thank the drive-in theaters around the country largely for that increase. Jody from India was also the top playing film in limited release according to estimates reported in the media. These are not official confirmed estimates through uh, the databases that I use, but as we mentioned before, Indian films are a little bit difficult to track oftentimes in the box office. But $734,000 is the highest total of any film in limited release this past weekend. Pony and Selvan Part 2, I don't have a theater count because, I, again, I had to dig this number up a little bit, but the reported number for that film is $627,000. $424 in its second week. Nefarious in week four is in third place, bringing in $373,104 in 268 theaters. Polite Society drops its theaters down to about $700 and brought in about $216,000 in week number two. And Somewhere in Queens is in fifth place, bringing in just over $78,000 in 122 theaters. Not a hugely vibrant film for the limited release films this past weekend outside of a couple of movies like Jody, but again, that's largely because many people were going to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and perhaps were not making time or space when it comes to the theaters themselves for these smaller movies. 
These are the top 10 limited grocers of the year for 2023. This is the calendar year, so these are all tickets sold no matter when the movie came out. Patan remains the highest grossing limited release film of the year with $17.4 million. The re-release of Return of the Jedi ascends to number two with $7.3 million. A Man Called Otto, the portion of its release before it entered wide release, drops down to number three with $6.2 million, followed by Women Talking at number four with $5.3 million. The Wandering Earth at number five with just over $5 million. Punny and Selvin Part 2 jumps up to number 6, a four-spot gain from last week for a reported domestic total of around $4.7 million. Mummies drops down to number 7. Bo's Afraid's Run and Limited Release drops down to number 8. Nefarious Climbs one spot to number 9, and The Whale's Run and Limited Release drops one spot to number 10. Of course, when we talk about films playing in limited release, many of them are art house films that are playing in independent theaters. And something I've been doing on the show recently is to highlight a specific independent theater each week. And also each week, the theater that I talk about gets 10% of the ad revenue from this specific episode where we talk about them. So by watching this show, you're actually supporting a lot of these independent theaters. And this week, I'm talking about the Kentucky Theater in Lexington, Kentucky, one of the last original movie palaces. It's been open for over a century, dating back to 1922, save for a brief closure in the late 80s, early 90s due to a fire. After being hit hard by pandemic closures, the theater was very recently converted and taken over by a non-profit 501c3 organization, which means it can use your donations even more than some of the ones that we've been talking about because it is a brand new non-profit entity, just over a year that it's been running as one. Not only does the Kentucky Theater show some of the best available movies in independent cinema at any given time, they also do special events like their summer classic movie series, which are featuring some of my favorite films of all time this summer, and also their monthly Freaky Friday event, which showcases cult cinema. Oh, what I wouldn't give to see Police Story on the big screen with a packed theater. The Kentucky Theater, as I mentioned, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so you can make a tax-deductible donation, or if you're in Lexington, Kentucky or visiting, you can maybe go check out a movie there. Regardless of what you decide to do, you can find out more information about the Kentucky Theater at KentuckyTheater.org, including how and where to make donations. And if you do decide to visit or make a donation, as always, be sure to tell them that Dan sent you. Before we look at the yearly numbers, I want to check in very quickly on my summer box office picks. We'll do this earlier in the show and spend some more time as the summer progresses, but there's not really a whole lot of point of doing anything but kind of paying it lip service at this point because only two wide-release films have been released in the summer movie season, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Love Again. But congratulations, Love Again, because as of now, you're a top 10 grossing summer film until at least nine other movies are released. Uh, so we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 right now, the highest grossing film of summer 2023. Love Again is at number two. We'll have a more traditional box office chart in the future. And then also, this is pretty much just a reminder of my predictions. I picked The Little Mermaid as the highest grossing film of the summer, followed by Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in third place, The Flash at number four, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 at number five, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny at number six, Elemental at number seven, Fast X at number eight, Oppenheimer at number nine, and Barbie at number ten. A lot of you had so many thoughts 
thoughts about what I chose to pick and where I chose to pick it. I think that a lot of you have great points. I think I probably did maybe pick Barbie too low, but a lot of people are also fighting some of my choices that I'm standing by, including my decision to put The Little Mermaid as the highest grossing film of the summer. I still think that it has a really good shot of taking that title, and we'll just have to see when it opens later on this month. Let's take a look at some of the yearly charts. First of all, this is the 2023 annual domestic box office. So this is all films released in 2023. And we have a new addition to the top five, which is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Its opening weekend was strong enough to enter the chart at number five with $118.4 million. Ahead of it are Creed 3 at number four, John Wick Chapter 4 at number three. It's kind of confusing there. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania at number two, and the Super Mario Brothers movie at number one. You would have to imagine, unless the bottom falls out completely that Guardians 3 will get up to at least that number two spot, although it would be a pretty tall order to crack that half billion mark and match the Super Mario Brothers movie. Number six through 10 all moved down one spot to make way for Guardians 3. Scream 6 drops to number six. Megan drops to number seven. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves drops to number eight. Cocaine Bear drops to number nine. Shazam Fury of the Gods drops to number 10. And Jesus Revolution drops out of the top 10 altogether. As of right now, Scream 6, Megan, and Cocaine Bear have concluded their theatrical runs, so those are final grosses. The rest of the films are still fair game. Looking at the 2023 domestic box office by calendar gross, so this is all tickets sold no matter when the movie came out. The Super Mario Brothers movie is at number one. Avatar The Way of Water sold $283 million worth of tickets this year, so it stays at number two. Quantumania is at number three. John Wick Chapter 4 is at number four. Creed 3 is at number five. Puss in Boots The Last Wish is at number six, and that's a final gross there. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 sells enough tickets on the opening weekend to be number seven on the 2023 calendar box box office list. Scream 6 drops down one spot to number 8. Megan drops to number 9. And Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves drops down to number 10. The top 10 2023 worldwide films are the Super Mario Brothers movie at number one with $1.16 billion, Full River Red at number two, and The Wandering Earth 2 at number three. Those are both final grosses, according to box office reporting. Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania is at number four with $475.3 million. John Wick Chapter 4, actually not that far behind, at $416.6 million. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 makes enough in its opening weekend to be the sixth highest grossing film of the year so far worldwide at 289.3 and I think it has a great shot of eclipsing that 475.3 million dollar worldwide total for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Creed 3 drops down one spot to number 7. Boonie Bear's Guardian Code drops down one spot to number 8. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves now over the 200 million dollar mark worldwide drops down one spot to number 9 and Megan drops down to number 10. Scream 6 drops out of the worldwide top 10 for 2023 altogether. Before we leave, as we always do, I want to take a look back at a previous year in box office history, and we're going to go back 15 years to another very notable weekend in the history of the MCU, because it was the first weekend in the history of the MCU. May 2nd through the 4th, 2008, the 18th weekend of the year, saw the debut of Iron Man, the movie that shocked everybody. The C-list Marvel hero that nobody really expected much out of ended up kicking off maybe the most successful global movie franchise of all time. $98.6 million. I remember it was shockingly high, that opening weekend number. Everybody was looking at Indiana Jones and The Dark Knight. So for Iron Man to kick off the summer the way that it did was a pretty big surprise. 
At number two is a film that also opened that weekend to $14.7 million. That is maybe my least favorite movie title of all time because it's called Maid of Honor. It stars Patrick Dempsey and he is the maid of honor for his best friend, but he's in love with her and it's like a whole rom-com thing. But the movie's title is spelled M-A-D-E of honor and they spelled it that way I guess because they thought it was clever but it makes absolutely no sense if you want to call the movie made of honor and if you want to be cutesy about it well the cutesy part is you spell it made like m-a-i-d but it's a dude so made of honor but you do the poster it's like oh the maid of honor is supposed to be a lady but it's a guy that's the funny thing but like they're trying to do some kind of a weird nonsensical joke by having it be made of honor you're saying that Patrick Dempsey's composite parts like he himself consists of honor which is a completely nebulous concept it's like you took an already funny name kind of a quirky ironic name and then tried to make it like a double meaning but the double meaning makes absolutely no sense every time I see the poster for maid of honor it makes me angry because that is literally some studio marketing exec that thought that they were so clever and said look what I did and they were probably in a position where nobody could tell them that that was really stupid so Maid of Honor was in second place behind Iron Man the weekend of May 2nd through the 4th, 2008. In its second weekend, running into a buzzsaw was the Tina Fey Amy Poehler comedy Baby Mama. It made just over $10 million in week two. Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay, a movie very much of its time, $6.1 million in week two, a 59% drop. And in week three, Forgetting Sarah Marshall with a 45% drop and a total of just over $6 million, I actually had a 10-minute discussion with Mara as I was prepping this episode about whether the woman on the poster is Kristen Bell or isn't Kristen Bell. I've said before, I sometimes have trouble recognizing people's faces, but that person does not look anything like Kristen Bell to me. I also feel bad for Jason Segel because he's the star of the movie and is like the fourth largest item or person on that poster. Anyway, forgetting Sarah Marshall, overlapping its theatrical run with Iron Man. I don't know how many people remember that. And also, a really good movie. Of course, we don't just leave well enough alone when we take a look at back at these weekends from box office history. We also hit that inflation button to see what those totals would be adjusted for inflation. And when we hit the button on the opening weekend of May 2008, Iron Man comes in with an opening of $138.2 million, so higher even than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 15 years later. Maid of Honor opens with $20.6 million. Baby Mama with $14.1 million in third place. Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay at $8.5 million in fourth place. And Forgetting Sarah Marshall with $8.4 million in fifth place. So that wraps up Charts with Dan for this week. Opening this upcoming weekend are a weird collection of films. First is one called Knights of the Zodiac, which looks like one of those movies that's in a streaming show where there's like a character that makes movies like The Boys or Succession. But I assure you this is an actual film with a reported $60 million budget. I might have to check this one out of sheer curiosity. Also opening wide this weekend is the newest film from Robert Rodriguez starring Ben Affleck as a cop who's chasing a master criminal hypnotist. I think, played by William Fickner. I, I get like major so bad it's good vibes. There's a lot of morbid curiosity is what I'm saying for the new box office releases this weekend. Some great counter-programming several years ago trying to go for that again is Book Club, the next chapter. It's the same group of gals from the first movie, but this time they're going to Italy. 
really it's a lot of talented actresses who have built great legacies drawing a paycheck, so I don't have a problem with it. Opening and more limited release is another one of those product movies. We had Tetris this year, we had Air, which is about Air Jordans. Now we have Blackberry, about the invention of the Blackberry, with Jay Burchell taking on the lead role. I actually want to see this movie. It's gotten really good reviews. The trailer looks interesting, so I'm going to hopefully try to track down a screening near me. Also opening in limited release is Fool's Paradise. If you like Charlie Day, well, this movie was written by Charlie Day, directed by Charlie Day, and stars Charlie Day playing two roles. So it's a Charlie Day lover's dream. A couple festival movies that are hitting the limited release circuit this weekend. One of them is Lemoncita, starring Penelope Cruz, directed by Emmanuel Crialese, and The Starling Girl, which is a Sundance drama, or at least played Sundance, as well as some other film festivals, from director Lara Parme. And finally, for those sports fans out there in very limited release is the documentary It Ain't Over about legendary baseball player Yogi Berra. So that wraps it up here on Charts. Stay tuned right here later in the week for more movie news, reviews of some of these movies that I talked about, as well as hopefully some streaming charts coming up soon, any breaking news that may come out. I did a video yesterday about the writer's strike, which has gotten a response that I'm really happy about, just trying to go into as many of the issues as I can. So if you don't know much about the writer's strike and you want to learn more, you can check out yesterday's video. And I'm always kind of keeping my ears open for stuff that might be happening. And you know the kind of stuff that we do here. Thanks again for watching. Be sure to check me out on Cameo, as well as the other links down in the description below, including the Kentucky Theater and our sponsors for today's show. But most of all, thanks for spending part of your day here with me. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.